We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Villato. I know, I know. Look, we don't think this 53-man roster that's been released right now at first cuts is going to be the final roster, but we still did want to react to it because there are some decisions that will be final. There are some decisions that will last. We want to give our initial reactions to this Giants 53-man roster. We're also going to talk about some league news. We're going to take a few questions that we threw out there from the listeners, and it's just going to be kind of a fun reaction, quick pod. We may do another one tomorrow. If major things change, who knows? We'll play it by ear. But for now, we wanted to react to what the initial Giants 53-man roster is. And again, there will be a probably more of a hyper-focus on the back end of the roster. Me, personally, <laughs> I'm a believer. I love to talk about the front end of the roster. I'm not as big on the back end roster, guys, especially guys I don't see here have a huge future long-term from a playing snap standpoint. But we have plenty of time for that. Next week, I love that the NFL gives us that break now, that week in between the preseason and the regular season. Me and Nick have a lot of things planned to talk about the front end of the roster, the guys who are actually going to play the bulk of snaps this season. But for now, let's talk about the building. Let's talk about the you know the foundation, those foundation, or sorry, not the foundation, those supporting pieces for the foundation, the 53-man roster as it's released today. But first, before I do that, Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. It's been a busy morning over at Big Blue View, just going through all these roster cuts on other teams because you know Joe Shane and Brian Dable and this front office, the pro personnel department, they're out there right now making calls to agents and seeing if they can bring in some of these guys to help round out the 53-man roster. And like you said, man, this is a very fluid situation. We're going to see some new faces here shortly. And Dan, how you doing, bro? Doing pretty good myself. It's been a hectic last couple of weeks. I haven't really promoted it, or I don't know if I've promoted it at all on the podcast, but you know what? I will take this time to do it. At my main job at CBS Sports, we are running something called the Draftathon. This is something we do every year. For the first year, I have had the opportunity to kind of be the point man on it. And what that means is it's a month-long fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Hospital. Last night, we hosted a poker tournament that raised over $6,000 for St. Jude. That was awesome. We beat last year. I hosted the tournament. I played in the tournament, and I hosted the live stream. It was a lot of fun. For those of you who want to get involved, I figure I'll throw it out there because there are some good people. And, and listen, if you can't and it's not within your means, I totally get it. But if you would like to get involved and help us raise money for St. Jude Children's Hospital, it really is such a great cause. They've been working with Saint, the St. Jude people. Nick, they're just awesome, 
awesome people. Please reach out to me. I'll show you how you can get involved. And we're doing a draft-a-thon tomorrow, six hours straight of fantasy football advice on the CBS Sports HQ channel from 6 to 8, and then 8 to 12 will be on YouTube. So we're taking donations there. We're talking fantasy. We're doing mocks, all sorts of fun stuff. So I didn't want to throw that out there, Nick, because I know you were talking about it with me earlier, and you and it is such a great thing to be a part of. And so let's talk Giants football, Nick. I hope that two minutes of fantasy football will be passed. I know in the past, you know, people have bashed us for talking fantasy. Hopefully they'll excuse that because it is for charity and a great cause. But let's talk Giants football, Nick. It's time, baby. So I want to start here with just you going. Let's go over just the players who were cut because we came pretty damn close in our roster predictions to nailing this thing with the exception of a few misses. Um, but we, we, we made it pretty far. So talk about all the players who were cut. And let's start by... Maybe go over them and talk about your biggest surprise cut of the list. Yeah, Dan, you don't want to read the list with the first name that's on it? Yeah, that's basically why I tossed it to you, my friend. <laughs> I like okay. you did last podcast, though. I think you just started calling him like Roy M. I think that's what I'm going to call him, Roy M. I'm going to try to pronounce the name here. And bear with me, it's kind of a long list. But this is the list of the players who are cut from 80 to 53 or just put on waivers, which is a little bit different than just being outright released. So Roy M. Bateca, Will Holden. Jalen Holmes, Khalil Dorsey, Harrison Hand, Nate Metters, Trenton Thompson, Sandro Platzgummer, who is an exemption player, so that's a little bit different, Jalen Moore, Deshaun Corbin, Alex Bachman, Darren Evans, Jamil Douglas, CJ Board, Ryder Anderson, Garrett McGinn, Quincy Roche, Davis Webb, David Moa, Zion Gilbert, Austin Allen, Josh Rivas, Yusef Corker, Ryan Santoso, Keelan Doss, Travis Toivainen, Elijah Griffin and Eric Smith. Give me your biggest surprise and then your biggest disappointment. Well, I'll give you mine and then we can go over biggest disappointment. Yeah. So my biggest surprise on this list is actually Trenton Thompson. Cause if you look at the giant safety room right now, there's three players and one of them is coming off of a broken collarbone in rookie fourth round pick Dane Belton. I think Trenton Thompson, the giants are trusting the fact that he's going to pass through waivers. This is an undrafted free agent rookie out of San Diego state who they raved about in training camp. So I think he has a place on the practice squad and maybe eventually on the 53 man roster, but he was the one name that I saw and I was like, okay, but like we said, this is very fluid. Things are going to change and the giants could add a Tony Jefferson or another safety who was just cut from another team. Yeah. I was going to say Thompson is my biggest surprise. I wouldn't say he's my biggest disappointment and I wouldn't say he's the biggest surprise from a pure talent standpoint, but he's the biggest surprise in the sense that he did run, albeit they played played their backups, but he did run as a starter in the final preseason game. He had a really good tackle on that play against Michael Carter. Looked the part to me. And ultimately, like you said, there's only three safeties. Now, it leads me to believe that a few things could be in play. One, like you said, they might just be like, eh, we could probably pass this guy through. Once we get our guys on IR, whoever that may be, we have some more open roster spots. By the time you're listening to this recording, that may be the case. Just got to bear with us and understand this was recorded at 4 p.m. on Tuesday of the first day of Final Cuts. It also leads me to believe maybe, like you said, there is something in mind to add a player like Tony Jefferson who knows the system, played with Wink Martindale, did like a post where someone connected him to Wink Martindale and said, look, this guy needs a safety. And so maybe that's in play. I'm not sure. That interests me as well. I would say outside of that as the biggest surprise, the biggest disappointment for me would certainly be Quince Roche. You called this a while ago, Nick. It just seemed like for the last two, I think you said it like two weeks ago or something when I wasn't really even on my radar just because of how well he played last year on a first snap basis. But like you said, 
he just seemed to be buried on this depth chart. It just seemed like he's not fit. He didn't fit this coaching staff's desire for what they're looking for out of that position, I guess. Because I don't feel like he was even that. There wasn't even a lack of production in the preseason that was noticeable to me, Nick. I don't know if you saw anything there or throughout training camp as well, where he had some really good one-on-one reps and things of that nature. So I would say that's the biggest disappointment to me. My second biggest biggest disappointment, as you'll obviously know, just from listening to the last podcast, would be Deshaun Corbin not making the roster. I know the writing was kind of on the wall there based on the preseason snaps as well. I just see a lot more upside with a player like Corbin. And someone mentioned, look, he didn't play that well in his first couple preseason games, but I'm basing it on the, what 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 he, what he put on tape at Florida State, what was around him there, and some of the really high-end snaps that I thought I saw from the preseason, especially in that first game and this last game where he was able to kind of cut on a dime, redirect his body, move his, you know, with the body control in place and with the ability to shift his weight and and kind of not lose any momentum. Those are the things I look for. I, I get it. Look, Antonio Williams played well, has some really good traits. Um, obviously Brightwell has the special teams outlook, but I, I would say, Nick, those are probably my two biggest disappointments. Antonio Williams also has special teams outlook. He has like three yep. special teams tackles. Deshaun Corbin was the player to stash on the practice squad. I don't think anybody's going to claim Deshaun Corbin and then he has to be on their 53 man roster. That's what has to happen when these players are waived. They go through a, a one or two day period where they can get plucked, but then they have to be activated to that team's 53 man roster. And for a UDFA running back, I just don't see that happening. So he'll ultimately land on the practice squad. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. And in terms of Quincy Roche, I mean, you're right. And I think Quincy Roche has talent. I just think the this current coaching staff appreciates the overall versatility of a player like O'Shane Zimenez, who ended up beating Quincy Roche out for a roster spot. And I like Quincy Roche. I think he'll land on his feet. Maybe he ends up on the practice squad if he doesn't get claimed on waivers. I think ultimately he probably will be claimed on waivers, but we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. I think he's a good player, but the Giants were telling us this much just by not playing him with the first team. He was playing with third stringers and deep into the fourth quarter all throughout preseason and not earning first team reps really at all throughout training camp. So it's unfortunate, but the writing was on the wall for Quincy Roche. And what I'm hoping it tells us, Nick, is that the Giants feel a lot more comfortable about the injury outlook and the recovery time period for Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm not sold that that's what it tells us, because it could just be as simple as what you just said. Hey, look, you know, they don't love his fit and his profile for the outside backer. I mean, look, a player like Tom and Fox made this roster. Obviously, he had that great you know, that flash, that flash play in the preseason, he's really had a nice steady drum beat, but it kind of gives you an idea that maybe that's the profile they're looking for at that edge position in a Wink Martindale system, a little bit different, but it is surprising just to me, just overall, because look, you look at these guys, a lot of them are unproven, even to an extent, O'Shane Zimenez hasn't really had the same kind of production in season as Roche had last year. I'm not trying to overstate what Roche did with the Giants last year in that down season, but Production-wise, on a per-snap basis, it really did feel like he proved more to me than than O'Shane has at really any point in his career. So it does feel a lot like just scheme fit and a lot like, I guess I would say, profile fit for the decision to kind of get rid of him. I think the profile fit, you you nailed it with that. And I think he's probably going to, he might end up getting plucked by the Raiders and going right back yes. with Patrick Graham and, and then being well, used, a you know. 
in a front. I, I've heard other people make it too, but like it makes sense, right? And he, that would be the best place for him because he has Max Crosby. He has this talented roster with Chandler Jones. Then he could just be a rotational piece and continue to build and add to his toolbox. But this is somebody who's not even six foot three. This is somebody with 23rd percent arm length, small hands, not a really a big wingspan. Right. I, I think they looked at somebody like O'Shane Zimenez, and Brian Dable has commented specifically about O'Shane Zimenez and his build and how he likes how big and long O'Shane Zimenez is. And the guy's only 25 years old. I would have liked to see Quincy Brochet make this roster, like I've said, but it didn't happen. And now we're just going to roll with what we have and see what additions the New York Giants make. But the Tom and Fox, that's that's the interesting one. This is somebody who has 33 and one eighth inch arms, solid arms, much bigger wingspan than a player like Quincy Rocher. And he flashed throughout preseason, and he has pretty damn good college tape as well. I think this is somebody who can convert speed to power, can win high side. He was flashing spin moves in the Jets preseason game as well, man. He he does a solid job with his hands. I think he can win in a variety of ways, and this is somebody who's going to be a back-end roster player, somebody who will contribute on special teams. I'm excited for Tom and Fox. I didn't necessarily think he was going to make this yeah. team, and this is a vote of confidence for him. And I think there's just a lot of upside here. I think there are a lot of tools to be developed with a player like Fox. Let's see if he could stick around coming week one. And we'll see. Yeah. I mean, even stick around past tomorrow or when we, when, when people are listening to this podcast or, or if they listen to it later, because he definitely strikes me as someone they might try to, you know, move out if they add in a different player from waivers and then kind of put on the practice squad, but not necessarily because they do need edges. And I don't think there's going to be any kind of waiver wire edges that are intriguing to me. A few more quick, I want, I want to say, I don't want to say surprises because it doesn't surprise me. We, we, we thought they would be released, but just notable guys for me that were released Yusuf Corker. I get it, but I really did think he was a good box guy, but I get why they, they made a move on him. Zion Gilbert only because look, they're so shallow at corner and it seemed like he was kind of moving up that depth chart based on that challenge. But that kind of leads me to believe Nick, that they're really going to be active in trying to find corners on the market. Good luck. That's what I have to say. I mean, there are some guys you can just cycle through, but man, it's tough to find corners that can hold up on the outside in man coverage, this venture of the game. And then lastly, for me would just be Austin Allen, because I just got a soft spot in my heart for Allen. I just watched him in Nebraska. He always intrigued me. I guess part of it is that he's six foot eight and a half, six, nine. I thought he looked good in the preseason. I get it. He's such a work in progress in so many different ways from a technical standpoint. But I was curious if maybe due to our tight end situation, he could crack that roster and prove something and be in there on certain downs as a receiving option. But it looks like the Giants are looking at him as more of a long-term play. The Giants are going to add a tight end too. And there are plenty of tight ends who are available right now that they could go and add. I mean, Kendall Blanton was just waived or actually released by Washington. You have OJ Howard. I don't know if they would go in that direction because the Bills ate dead cap to get rid of him, which probably says something about where he's at right now. Both those tight ends who were drafted in the third round back in 2020 by the Patriots, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene are both available. So there's some tight end talent, at least interesting tight end talent that's out there. And if you look at the Giants depth chart right now, all you really have at tight end is Tanner Hudson and Daniel Bellinger with Chris Myrick, who's handling tight end, H-back sniffer, and fullback duty. So he kind of has a lot on his plate. But Tanner Hudson has been here for like 10 seconds, dude. So, and Daniel Bellinger is dealing with a concussion. So you know they're going to address that position. So expect there to be new faces there. Though I will say this, at least on the Daniel Bellinger front, Art Stapleton tweeted today that he's uh, may, may have already been cleared from the concussion because he was practicing today. So that's a really good sign for the Giants. It now really does... He's oh, not he's cleared. 
Okay. No, he's not. He was never clear, but he was just out there. I believe. I think okay. Art tweeted something else afterwards, saying, okay. clarifying that he's still in the protocol right now. But hopefully, he can okay. clear it by week one. Yeah, hopefully he can because it <laughs> it really feels like he might be in for like a crazy rookie year, eighty percent snap share or something like that. Like you look at the preseason. I was reading some stats for fantasy trying to target my late round tight ends that I'm going to look at. Cause I'm either, <laughs> I mean, for my drafts, I just, I'm at the point I'll, I will do a quick fantasy. I'll, I'll keep it brief, but I don't love the prices. I'm in all auction drafts and I don't love the price right now for Kelsey. I feel like he's being priced at his actual ceiling without the idea of him, him falling off at all without Tyreek Hill opening up the middle of the field and due to age and Kyle Pitts price is terrible. He's going crazy in auctions. He's also being priced at like to me above his ceiling with that terrible situation. Then Mark and like, I just don't love it. So I'm probably punting that position, looking for late round guys. So I'm looking for big snap share guys. And like Bellinger was one in preseason wise, dude, Bellinger was like 80 above 80% first team snap share with it, with it at the tight end. And there's only like four or five guys out to the big guys that are doing that. It was Bellinger, Brevin Jordan, Nate, David Njoku, and one other player. So it was just like really interesting to see the Giants might have this idea in mind to have Bellinger as this every down guy, essentially, or this 80, 85% guy in year one, which is real surprising for a fourth round pick. And I hope he can handle it. Uh, but I feel like, you know, that's a big opportunity for him to show out early and solidify himself. And like you said, there could be guys they add the free agency. One we're going to talk about in a little bit. But let's talk a little bit, Nick, about other notable names who made the roster who maybe we weren't expecting to or just maybe didn't get that same kind of buzz. Tom and Fox, we already went over. Then there's Austin Calitro and Carter Coughlin both made this rough draft version of the roster. Rodarius Williams, who will more than likely get placed on IR. Tanner Hudson, who, like I said, has just been here for a short amount of time. And then the one name that everybody wants to talk about is Darius Slayton. And by the time you're listening to this, I'm not sure if Darius Slayton is going to be wearing another jersey. I'm not really certain on what the what's going on with Darius Slayton right now. I would imagine that the Giants are trying to trade him, and there were a lot of biters, and they're trying to get something of value for him. But like you brought up last podcast, Dan, and I thought it was a good point, if you need a field-stretching outside type of receiver, it's Darius Slayton, and he's right here. It's just, is it fiscally responsible for the Giants to keep Darius Slayton with all of these injuries, and they're going to have to be signing you know, one player here, two players there? Is it actually fiscally responsible, Dan, to keep Darius Slayton on this roster? That's a great question, especially when you're thinking of this from more of a long-term view. Like, If you're getting offered a 2023 draft pick in a class that almost across the board everyone believes is a considerably better class than this 2022 class was, both top-end talent and depth-wise, it's probably going to be hard for Joe Shane to turn that down. If Adam Schefter's report is true and they are getting offers and they are offered something like an additional sixth or something like that or conditional late draft pick, I would imagine Joe Shane takes that because I feel like from what I've seen with these initial cuts and with the offseason as its entirety and how many rookies have made this roster from Joe Shane's first class, he's really looking at this thing as a full rebuild, a long-term type of play. And that was never the case under the Gettleman years. The Giants were kind of doing both. They were trying to straddle the idea of rebuilding while trying to win now. That was criticized. And in the end, I'm not saying there's one right way to do it. Personally, I don't think there is. I think you can do both as Kettleman tried to. I just don't think he did a good job of trying of, of executing that plan. But ultimately a case can be made that, you know, the, the smart money is on just going full rebuild and thinking about your future at all times. And I think Shane's showing some signs of that. So that would make me, lead me to believe that, look, although they don't have that currently on the roster, a player that can do it, 
which is, again, why I was so gung-ho on trying to get a Tyquan Thornton in this draft, a George Pickens, one of those types, and maybe next year they will. But maybe he just looks at it like we need to think about the future here, and Slayton's not a part of this future. I know he can help us this year, but that's not what our focus is. If we're getting a draft pick, we take it. And, and I'll be interested to see if that's the case and if that's why he made the initial 53. Yeah, exactly. If you can get anything, and it wouldn't be anything more than a late, late day three yes. pick. And we're not even certain on if there are biters. There's just a lot of reports from Rappaport and Adam Schefter saying that teams are interested. And it does make sense for the Giants to keep him initially on the 53 and then part ways with him and get whatever kind of compensation you can get for a player like Darius Lane. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I also wanted to kind of bring up, Dan, and it's interesting, there are several players who are injured on this roster. Those players have to be on that initial 53-man roster to qualify for the short-term IR. And I'm kind of going through a lot of these players. There might be like three, four, maybe even five players who get put on that short-term IR. I don't, I'm don't. i not certain the extent of the injuries of Ben Bredesen and Joshua Azudu, so maybe not them. But Shane Lemieux, it's sounding like he's going to be destined for that short-term IR where he's going to miss, what, four games, I believe. And then you also have Ellerson Smith. What's going on with Ellerson Smith? He could possibly land on that. And that's going to open up roster spots for either free agents that the Giants want to claim or want to add once waivers pass, or some of these guys that they've slipped through the practice squad, a la a Trenton Thompson or a player like that. Exactly, Nick. And I think that ultimately could be what we see happen in the next day, few days from now, where they're really going to gain it in a sense. And I mean, all teams do it. It's not like they're getting some kind of edge, but they can use this as, okay, these guys are the initial 53, but once we throw these guys on IR, now we can add back guys that might have been surprise cuts, uh, cuts, quote unquote, or just guys from other rosters that have intrigued the Giants and now they have an opportunity to sign. So I think that's definitely in play and that's a very good point by you as well. I would also say it was a little surprising for me, Nick, to see Rodarius Williams make this roster. Surprising in a good way, though. Yeah, surprising in a good way, and he qualifies as one of those IR players, in my opinion. Like, I think the Giants might see some okay. talent there, and they just say, let's just put this guy on the IR. Maybe he'll come back. I think of one big reason why is because the Giants are so damn thin at cornerback, and you're going to be looking around the NFL to try and add players who don't really know your system. And Darius Williams has more upside, in my opinion, than, say, a Khalil Dorsey or Zion Gilbert or a Darren Evans. Maybe not a Harrison Hand, but he was also waived by the Giants, too. So I, I look at that, that retention, and I think it's possible that the reason they did it was because the Giants just suck at cornerback. And they're just like, let's see if we can get anything out of this kid once he comes back and he's healthy. He's been in our system. We'll just evaluate it then. But for now, maybe he goes to the IR. I'm not really 100% certain on that. And then the offensive line is another position that I'm worried about with all of these little nagging injuries that we don't know that much about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. Odds Trader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. Odds Trader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Yeah, the offensive line, Nick, it's starting to really scare me. We'll talk about that more as we move into next week, but... I'm getting weird chills and just like kind of uh oh type feelings when I'm thinking about this left guard position. It's starting to collapse on us again, just out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I looked at it. Remember we talked about at the beginning of the offseason, like or even at, you know after the draft, not the beginning of the offseason, right before training camp. Like, yeah, they built some depth. We did it, baby. We got oh, we don't like Lemieux. He may not. Oh, we like Lemieux. Okay, whatever. We got a Zudu. Oh, Ben Bredesen. That's interesting. Now, like every single one of these dudes is like injured. Like Lemieux. This is bad. He might be on IR. Dable sounded really like this is going to take a while. We don't know what the hell is going on with Bredesen or Azuda. They're not practicing or they hadn't been practicing um, right before the end of that camp. Who knows if they're going to be ready for week one. And then we're running out of bodies there. And I don't want to have another Matt Skira situation on our hands, another Wes Martin situation on our hands. It's just not feasible for winning football games when you have those types of dudes in your lineup. I already don't like having a Feliciano in there, if I'm going to be completely honest. And he's not that bad. He's not like a Skira West Martin level, but he's one injury away from then we have that situation there at center as well. So it's starting to get scary. I don't want to go too far on that. And I don't want to say this because look, Nick, I don't expect the Giants to be able to scoop up anyone of value on the offensive line on the waiver wire. That to me is a myth, not a myth. It to me is just highly unlikely. Do you agree with that? There's going to be nothing they can find because the Giants, the the fact of the matter is the Giants aren't the only team that needs offensive linemen right now. They're like one of the, there's like probably like, I can probably count on my hands how many teams don't need offensive line depth right now. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult to find anybody of value. I do think, though, some teams are trying to get tricky, similar to what the Pittsburgh Steelers did last year with Quincy Roche, and they're trying to slip guys through their through their practice squad. And I think some players that come to mind, like Alex Alec Lindstrom, who was the center for Boston College, who was a UDFA, and you know he has some solid preseason tape from the little bit that I've seen. So players like that interest me. Wyatt Davis, who was a third-round pick by the Vikings. Vikings get rid of Mike Zimmer. They get rid of Chris Spielman, and now they have a new regime there, and now he's released. Can you catch lightning in a bottle with a player like that? Do I want them to start week one? Absolutely not. I think the Giants are staring down the barrel of a week one left guard of either Devery Hamilton, who has had a great training camp, really struggled against the Jets' first team. He did not look great. Now, he played a lot of tackle there, so maybe he's a little bit better at guard, but I don't think that's somebody you necessarily want to be a starter against the Tennessee Titans who have this guy named Jeffrey Simmons. 
or Max Garcia, who is a veteran who has been around the league for a while, has some snaps at center, has some snaps at guard, but he's a little bit uninspiring. Another player you don't necessarily want to start. So it's a little bit of a problem right now, this, this left guard position. And we're talking about this as if Shane Lemieux is this proven veteran. He's not. Shane Lemieux spent all last season injured, but still, I feel so much more comfortable if this team had a healthy toed Shane Lemieux, which we do not right now, apparently. Yeah, we'll see what happens on that front. There's really no crazy updates on that or anything definitive, I should say. But I will say this with regard to what you just said. I value, I'm happy they kept a player like Garcia because I value the player who has had the whole camp to learn the system, to kind of gel and at times. I know, albeit with players he may not be playing with in a regular season because he didn't get too much work with the first team. Then just some like guy they try that, that you know they, they can a Quincy Roche type or something that someone tries to sneak through the wire because that type of guy still has to learn the system. He's just so far behind the eight ball in that sense. And then there could be communication issues that crop up. And in a lot of ways, the Giants don't really even have that much flexibility in my mind to be scooping any offensive linemen because then they have to cut guys that have value to me that are on this roster right now in the back end of this line. We went over it last podcast trying to predict the 53-man roster, roster, we came up with nine offensive linemen potentially, and all those guys had some value to to each of us. Um, I'm not even sure if Garcia was included in that, who ended up being kept. So uh, I just feel like they got to get healthy here. I don't think there's too many other options for this offensive line other than get healthy. I think there could be sleeper appeal to a Lemieux injury, if I'm going to be honest, if Azudu can get healthy, because there is a non-zero chance that Azudu, Azudu, if he's healthy, can start week one, hit the ground running, and give the Giants something better than Lemieux could have ever gave them. I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind here on this podcast that Azudu has more upside, both short and long, or definitely long-term, maybe not short-term, than a Shane Lemieux. That's just the obvious truth of it, based on their prospect profiles, and based on the fit for the system, because I think Azudu fits this move system very well. But we got to make sure he's healthy first. Like nothing can happen if this dude's not on the field. Exactly. Nothing can happen without <laughs> the dude being able to perform. But like you said, man, you might not even have to cut players. You're going to have roster spots from the guys that you put on that short-term IR that will come open. I still think some of these players might get released eventually. I mean, the Giants are carrying six inside linebackers at the moment. Like, are they actually going to go into week one with six inside linebackers? Granted, some of them have some edge appeal. And I, I think Wink Martindale will get creative with his defensive personnel packages. But you only have three safeties. You know, you only have two tight ends right now if you count Chris Myrick more as a fullback. So like, like we said, man, it's going to be it's a fluid situation, fluid. Without a doubt. The Giants decided to name a slew, 10 captains for the season. That's a wild number. I'm not sure that any team is doing this amount. Does take a little bit away from it in my mind, but still good. I mean, I'm sure it's not taking too much away. These guys are happy to hear it. We'll talk a little bit about Julian Love's reaction to it and Julian Love. But those captains are Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Graham Gano, Casey Kreider, Cam Brown, and then Julian Love. Those are the guys I would expect, I guess, to be named. I guess two defensive tackles is interesting, but they're two of the more known players on the team. And it seems like Dexter Lawrence really took to a leadership role this offseason, and he was rewarded with a C, despite the fact that another player in his position group has that same C on his chest. Yeah, I think the only interesting notes of this for me are one, no Blake Martinez with the captain. Yeah. The whole Blake Martinez situation has been a bit odd with this new regime. I don't get the feeling they value him that highly. They did decide to keep him, but he did take a massive, didn't he take a massive, not a massive, but a pay cut type deal to stay. So there's a little bit working there where it's kind of like, well, I'm not sure what they're, how they feel about him. Obviously, it's also been him coming back from the ACL, but 
I really love to see Xavier McKinney get it because everything I've seen from McKinney so far in these training camp sights and sounds and things of that nature is he's taking way, way more of a leadership role, which is huge because he is, in my mind, the clear-cut current second-best asset on this roster. Now, Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau have the upside to surpass him. I even think in some ways Aziz Ojolari does. I don't think he will, but I think he has the opportunity to. I'll put all those guys in the potential and the can't you know in the in the boat of potentially at some point surpassing him Tony as well if he could ever stay on the freaking field <laughs> but Xavier McKinney is that dude he is right now in my mind the second best asset on this roster the second most surefire thing for this season and I'm glad to see him take that captain spot up also I was glad to see Julian Love get it because he got a little emotional talking about it I just like Julian Love's profile man like if the Giants were a winning team right now like if they had a Justin Herbert or something on this roster and better and and better talent across the board in addition to that he'd be the type of guy that we talk about as fans like this is a glue piece this is a guy you love he's a fourth round pick he played outside boundary at notre dame played it well didn't have the foot speed people said to compete there had to move inside then he moved inside then he played back on the boundary a little bit now he's at safety he's just done anything that's asked for and played a variety of roles never said a word about playing time never complained about anything just shows up does his job and does it pretty damn well. He's not some kind of superstar player, but he's a very solid piece that you would talk about a lot more in a winning team. So I'm glad to see him get that captain spot. Yeah. So am I, I've been a huge Julian love fan since the giants selected him early on day three, back in 2019. I thought it was one of the better picks of the Dave Gettleman era, just because he's a Swiss army knife back there. So I'm happy that he was able to earn that. And as for Xavier McKinney, that was no surprise. I mean, I, I think it was pretty known that, Wink Martindale wanted to entrust a lot of responsibility onto Xavier McKinney once they released Logan Ryan. So he deserves that captain. And I think he's going to do a good job repping the New York Giants brand. For sure. All right, let's talk about some other cuts and news around the NFL. And then we can go ahead and just finish this off with some questions from the listeners. The first one I want to talk about is OJ Howard. The first round pick from 2017 out of Alabama tight end who I really wanted in that draft class. I made a mistake in that draft because I was big on OJ Howard. I wasn't big. I, I didn't want Evan Ingram at all, but I kind of under my, a couple players went above my radar on that one. I, I think I had a, I just wasn't as into the draft then, or maybe I just missed on these guys, but TJ Watt and, and um, Ryan Ramchick, two of the better players in the NFL now went both after Howard and Ingram. Just wish I was more onto those dudes at the time. I mean, the giants running such a strict four, three that Watt to me didn't make sense from a scheme fit standpoint, but yeah, I'll be damned. Watt could probably play in any freaking scheme, honestly. He's one of the best players in the NFL. It's, it's not like you're close with the Wisconsin program or anything like that, Dan. <laughs> Badgers, I should have been on to them. I don't know what happened with Ramcheck. Ramcheck wasn't even a scheme thing. What the hell was I doing there? My dad wanted Ramcheck too. Ramcheck was weird, though. Ramcheck came to Wisconsin as, like, we don't have to go too deep into this, but he came to Wisconsin as, like, not a big star recruit. Transferred from, I think, like, one of the s- small schools, Wisconsin Whitewater or one of those, and just kind of had a weird injury throughout his Wisconsin career. And a lot of people were like, this might drop him all the way to day two, but the Saints saw something and they were damn right about that one. But anyway, Howard cut. Now, here's the thing with Howard. Suffered the Achilles tear mid-career. Is he the same player post-Achilles tear? He's had like four separate injuries, including the foot pedal and like three other ones, high ankle sprain twice since the Achilles, potentially compensation injuries. Worse off, the Bills made this big play to sign him this offseason, probably based on name and college tape. And then to cut him today, they had to eat like $3 million in cap space just for him not to be on the roster. Like people are always like, oh, will the Giants cut Kenny Galladay? Well, no, because it would cost them $14 million in cap space that they have to f- figure out some miracle way to clear. So that's impossible. But 
The Bills figured it out and are clearing the cap space to just to not have this dude on the roster. Do you have any interest in Howard based on this information we have? It's tough. Luckily, Joe Shane has a good relationship with the Buffalo Bills, but I can't sit here and say that the Giants should activate this guy to their roster, their final 53, after the Bills just said, nah, son, bye. And behind Dawson Knox, it's not like they really have a lot of proven veterans back there. So there might be something wrong with him. We know he had the Achilles tear. He might just be done. I do think the Giants need to add tight end. Maybe they could talk with his agent and review his preseason tape, something I have not done yet. See if there is anything there to build on. But if it's not a great sign. It's just not a great sign when a team's eating 3 million dead cap just to get rid of you. Exactly. And so I'm on the side right now of probably minimal interest. I'm, any other, I guess, any other tight end cuts intrigue you? Yeah, Kendall Blanton, Devin Asiasi, a little bit more than Dalton Keene. But, you know, the Patriots, they're both Patriot tight ends who are third-round picks. The Patriots are a weird system, and sometimes people go there, these young players, and they never really adapt to it. And both of those players were dinged up, and they were injured in their rookie season. And then the next offseason, they invested huge money into Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, the Patriots did. So if you think you could possibly get something out of one of those two players, maybe it's something to maybe look into. But I would say those three, and then obviously OJ Howard, and I would have to look at a list of other tight ends that were released. But those were three that kind of popped out to me. They were early mentions on the release before the four o'clock deadline. So I don't know if any of them will ultimately make the team though. Yeah, it's a good point though. I mean, like they need they need tight ends. Speaking of tight ends, I want to give you a little credit here. It's an early victory lap, Nick. Very early. But I'm gonna be honest with you, sometimes you just see it. Isaiah Likely, you loved Isaiah Likely in this class, the tight end who the Baltimore Ravens drafted. The Ravens, just an insanely unbelievable drafting team, just seems to be just like the guy in your fantasy draft who just wins every year or something. Isaiah Likely, man, I watched his preseason film. I, I saw he he sparked my attention the last, the second to last preseason game the Ravens played. I was it was against the Cardinals. He was just tearing it up. And then I was like looking through some of his other film from the preseason. I'm like, this guy has it. Like you could tell. Like when I watch him, I wasn't as huge on him as you when we went over him during the draft. But what I see now is, and this is the same case in the reverse with somebody like Clyde Edwards Alaire, who just didn't translate from an athleticism standpoint from college to the NFL. This dude does translate. The way he moves with the ball after the catch, likely, it's pretty filthy. And he's had just a phenomenal preseason. And so I just want to give you some credit on that one because I think we're going to hear a lot about him in the coming years and people are going to look back at it like, damn, the Ravens stole this dude. Thank you. Yeah, and I think he's also a work hard type of blocker. Doesn't really have the frame to be someone who's going to stand up and negate an edge rusher from setting the edge. But he's going to go downfield and is going to be relentless in his pursuit at blocking. And I think he has a receiving chop. So, you know, the Ravens, man, they might run a lot of 12 personnel, but with a player of the profile of likely that 12 personnel kind of looks like 11 personnel because he's athletic enough to create separation against some safeties. Yeah, he looked like a nightmare in one on one matchups when I saw him. But this all leads me to another take of yours that appears to be looking great. And that's why I want to bring it up because he's actually just got cut. And he was a 2021 first round pick. You said he would only make in the NFL as a guard. I don't think you said he would only. You said he should convert to guard. I don't know if this dude's going to make it at all. It seems to me when you get cut as a 2021 first round pick with all that dead cap still on your contract, I think it's probably a motivation issue. I think it's probably all field stuff. I think it's probably this dude is not practicing hard, working hard. This is all speculation. But look, if you're going to make the move, 
in a position that has no depth in general on one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL to cut a 2020 first, uh, 2021 first round draft pick on the offensive line. That to me screams off field issues. And that's Alex Leatherwood who was cut by the Raiders. Were you as shocked as I would, by I was by this. I was shocked in the sense that they just gave up on him and then ate the money, like you said, but like I, I, thought the Alex Leatherwood hype was so overblown. Like I, I did not think he could be a tackle and I thought, yeah, he can kick inside at guard. So it is a little head scratching because I'm sure you can get some value. It might not be great, but still you're paying him that money and he's a body on a, like you said, a very weak offensive line. And the fact that, that McDaniel is just like, screw this guy. He's gone. Like, yeah, that's a little eye popping to me. And they tried to trade him according to Ian Rappaport, but every team said, no, not even for a seventh round pick. They didn't want his contract. They didn't like him. And who knows what his future holds at this point. And do you think the Giants should kick the wheels at all on this dude and try to put him in uh, competition at left guard? I think it's a discussion to have. I mean, he's somebody who does have some talent. I wasn't a believer in him as a first round pick or or anything like that. But maybe late day two pick, early day three pick, I think is like around where I had him when he was coming out of the draft just in 2021. So you can investigate that once waivers clears if he doesn't get picked up by anybody. But you don't want to adopt that contract, so you have to wait for that to happen. Yeah, agreed. Anything on the uh, any thoughts on the other uh, other couple moves? Um, Eagles trading for Chauncey Gardner Johnson or the Carolina Panthers trading for Lavishka Chenault? <laughs> I love when you say Lavishka Chenault. Yeah, <laughs> no, man, you're. The- no, it's just like, I, I know you probably looked at his name and said, I have the confidence to go into this situation and say this. And then you say it and you're like, did I do well? I think that's subconsciously yeah. happening, but uh, <laughs> I love you, man. But the Eagles, dude, I, I just, this sucks. Cause Chauncey Gardner Johnson is one of the best overhang no. nickel slot defenders. Ugh. And he's such a chirper too, man. That guy's going to get in your ears and try to draw these penalties. I remember he was the player on the saints that got punched by Javon Wims. Do you remember that of the bears? Yes. Yeah. Oh man. It was, it was like a total UFC moment and so unnecessary on Wims part, but dude, Chauncey Garden Johnson, good and run support, aggressive, good tackling, pesky man coverage cornerback who was going to provide so much versatility to Jonathan Gannon's defense, dude. So it sucks. And and the Eagles, man, they're just going all in. You add James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to that secondary, which was one of your weak points last season. Kudos to them, dude. They're obviously the favorite to win this division. I think they've been the favorite since basically the end of last year. The rich get richer. Um, You know, the Eagles were supposedly in quote-unquote cap hell last year amazing how fast they got out of capel just absolutely amazing how fast they got out of capel just something to think about when you hear all this stuff about the cap i'm not saying the cap is a myth i said that once as an exaggeration joke but the cap is certainly not what it's said to be and they're out of it they're signing whatever the hell they want they're adding to this roster eagles have the best roster in the division but as we learn as we've learned through the years and not everyone agrees with this i shouldn't say as we've learned nick but as I've learned, they still might not win the division. Vegas has them at plus 150. They have the Cowboys at plus 152, dead even. Why? Because quarterbacks are everything in this league. And Dak Prescott is still unbelievably good at processing defense. Dak Prescott is, that's where he may be the most underrated quarterback in the NFL when it comes to post-snap processing, how he sees the field. He is a much better quarterback right now than Jalen Hurts. That may change the season. Hurts could take a big jump with A.J. Brown and just having a sicko line and everything else that they've done there. But I still think that Dallas has a really good chance to win the division simply because of Prescott versus Hurts, because of how much that actually means to winning. 
So we'll see. That'll be interesting. But yeah, this Eagles roster, man, outside of quarterback, is just freaking loaded. So loaded. It's so loaded at this point. They put Jalen Hurts in a position to succeed. Now, will he? That's a totally different question. And you're right about Dak Prescott. He's by far and away the best quarterback in this division right now. But that offensive line's an issue, dude. And if something happens to C.D. Lamb, what are they doing at wide receiver? Yeah, Yeah, the roster just isn't what it was. You're right. I mean, it's just I look around that roster, not with the aging O-line and more importantly, the injury, or I'm sorry, more importantly, the injury to Tyron Smith, in addition to just the rest of that group aging, and just like what happened at receiver this offseason, losing Amari Cooper. Gallup, going to be back at some point, but who knows, and who knows if he's 100%. I personally find Dalton Schultz very overrated as a talent. Um, so I, I, I just don't know. And the defense too, like they were so hyper efficient last year and they, and they caused so many turnovers and both of those statistics tend to fluctuate year in and year out. And I have a lot of faith in Dan Quinn. I think he's one of the best defensive minds in football. Micah Parsons, one of the best young defensive players in football, but dude, that could easily just, you know, move a couple shades to the left. And then your defense isn't as good as it was last season. And that's putting more on an offense that lost all those receiving weapons and lost a lot of offensive line talent. So it could be rough for Dallas, but you're right. The thing that you said in the beginning, Dak Prescott, he, he has the stones to possibly overcome that. All right, let's wrap this up with a few questions from the listeners. Wes Locke asks, how many waiver claims are you expecting the Giants to make? This, For example, he says, does Slayton get moved? Would you inquire about Leatherwood? Um, I guess we already touched on both of those, but you could probably answer the first. I don't know how many waiver claims they'll put in, but I think they'll add players once they pass through waivers. So let's just look at it from that standpoint. I think they're going to add like five players. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Five, maybe even more depending on how healthy some of those back-end offensive linemen are and what happens with Rodarius Williams. Because I'm waiting to see who gets put on IR and how many roster spots that opens up. Because then that's obviously going to be filled. And say that's three players. And then there's three right there. Then you look at some of the back-end roster guys who ended up making this team. Maybe a Calitro, maybe a Coughlin or a player like that. They could ultimately be released if the Giants value somebody else. And you know they're going to bring bodies into tight end. They might bring bodies into safety or they might just promote Trenton Thompson, who they seem to like a lot. So I, I would say right now five is, is a number that that kind of comes to my mind. What about you, Dan? Oh, I like that five. That's that's a lot, but I think it's definitely in play. I think that's a good answer. I think five's the five's the number I would go with too here. All right. Eric Camp Campin asks, what is the real deal with Kenny Galladay? Is anyone going to be able to figure out what is, this new regime thinks of him? And and is it just going to blow up into some wide receiver draw? drama early in the season that's i like that second part of the question because i do wonder about that too yeah as do i i think we're going to learn week one when we get to see the snap counts when all the starters are out there i think that's when we're going to learn what the real deal about kenny galladay is because everything we've seen is based on preseason he's not getting looked at it's definitely very negative and rightfully so but i think if he goes out there and plays 70 percent of the snaps and he gets targeted even five times and some of them are successful and he moves the chains it's going to quiet some people down. So I think we have to wait till week one till we can really find out if this is going to be an early season drama fest. Yeah, my take on Kenny Galladay is this. I am a little bit worried about that drama. It can hurt a team. He is paid a lot. He has expectations of himself as a receiver. The Giants brought him in to do a job. And if he's not doing that job, that could lead to drama. My whole thing with Galladay is this. 
is he the same player he was before the hip surgery? That I don't know. It certainly hasn't looked like it yet, but it is also the preseason. And then I think back to his tape from last year, and it's so hard for me to judge Nick because he was running so many stupid routes from Jason Garrett that just like, and he didn't have a quarterback who could maximize what his skill set is. And to be completely honest with you, he doesn't still, he still doesn't have a quarterback who can maximize his skill set. I got to be honest with you, Nick. I don't know if this quarterback can maximize anyone's skill set personally. I, I, I don't think he can. That would be the honest answer. And if you heard Kurt Warner's assessment of Daniel Jones a couple of days ago, shout out to the uh, Giants guys podcast they had Kurt Warner on. It would probably, I would, I would really go ahead and suggest that anyone who thinks that saying negative things about Daniel Jones or saying you don't believe he can be the future would listen to Kurt Warner because Kurt Warner's played the game. Kurt Warner's watched Jones's film. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. It was a really sobering analysis of Jones saying a lot of things that we've discussed, Nick, but a lot of things that people have denied or people don't want to come to terms with. So I'm just going to be honest with my analysis of it too. I'm hoping to be wrong. I'm hoping Warner's wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. That's what it comes down to there. But I, as far as answering question with Kenny G, it's hard for me to expect that we're going to get the best out of him when he doesn't really have a quarterback who can maximize his skill set. And he may not be the same player he was. So that's on the unfortunate analysis on Kenny Galladay. But I really hope it doesn't lead to, like you said, um, a situation where there could be some drama. Yeah, that would be really unfortunate. And we have to see if he's healthy. That's the end of the day. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Kenny Galladay since 2019. Sadly. All right. Question from John F. One I like. How many players cut by the Giants do you think will get picked up by other teams? So how many players off of waivers are we going to say? Or well, let's just say in no, general. No, guys the Giants cut already. Yeah, I'm wondering, guys that Giants cut off already be plucked off waivers or pass through waivers and then get added once Let's injuries. just say make a, 50, a final 53-man roster for week one. Okay, I think Quincy Roche might be one. And looking through it, he might be the only one that really jumps out at me as somebody who makes a final 53-man roster. I think some of these guys will pass through waivers, and then the Giants will pluck 16 of them to fill out their practice squad. So I, I think it might just be Quincy Roche. I'm looking through it. There, there's no one else that really jumps out to me. Trenton Thompson is somebody who has really good preseason film, but will somebody actually add him to his 53-man roster, an undrafted rookie? I, I, I don't really think so. So I'm just going to roll with Roche. I'm going to go with none here. I don't think Roche will get claimed. I think there's a chance that Nick's call could come true and he gets claimed by the Raiders. But I would say, gun to my head, if I had to pick, he doesn't get claimed either and maybe make somebody's practice squad. So I'll go with zero. It's just the unfortunate state of the roster right now. We we know this team is not loaded with talent. Um, and so, <laughs> look, can't blame the new guys. Just blame the old guys. That's, that's what it comes down to because it's the actual truth. Brandon Marcus asks, how many guys that made the 53 can you see realistically getting cut for waiver claims? I think we answered this one already in a different form. It was a little bit different, so we'll skip through that. Who, in your and Nick's opinion, should be the number one waiver claim that the Giants make? They have the He says that they have the fifth overall waiver claim, which is pretty high. There are several defensive backs who are interesting. A lot of them are safeties, though, and I don't know if the Giants are going to spend that fifth waiver claim on a safety. You have Tony Jefferson, who was released by the Ravens, somebody who is like 30 years old. He's been in the NFL for a while, but you know he has comfortability in Wink Martindale system. Marquise Blair, former second round pick in 2019. He's only 25 years old. He was waived by the Seattle Seahawks. And then a name from the New York Jets, Jason Pinnock. Now, Pinnock it might be. This is a 2021 fifth round pick at a pit, and he transitioned to safety 
for Robert Sala's defense, but he played cornerback at Pitt, and not just cornerback, not just overhang like Narduzzi likes to do with a lot of his corners, but he was an outside cornerback, and that's what the Giants are looking for. And this is somebody with 85th percentile broad jump, 87th percentile vertical jump, and a 98th percentile 10-yard split with 82nd percentile arm length. And I haven't grinded through his film or anything of that nature, but just that baseline of those traits do intrigue me for cornerback. I don't know if the Giants are interesting and interested enough to to pursue this. And I don't know if I'd burn a waiver claim on it, but once waivers pass, possibly adding someone like that. But I don't have the full list of the waivers in front of me. But if I had to address positions, it would be corner, definitely. Interior offensive line, yes, and then tight end. Those would be the three positions of priority right now. Other names that I saw come across the timeline that were released by the 49ers who I would say piqued my interest a little bit is just Tyler Croft. This is somebody who was on Ooh. the Jets for a little bit. The Bengals, and you know, the Giants need a tight end. So that's somebody else to kind of keep in mind who was just released from the 49ers. I like that name, Tyler Croft. I like that name a lot, actually. That's intriguing. You know, there's Rutgers pride there too, bud. Shout out to Maddie Schneier there. But one thing you could look for is what Nick said, traits. They need man coverage guys for corner. They need length for corner. They want those types of edges who aren't in the Quincy Roche mold, more in the Tom and Fox mold, and things of that nature as we move across thinking O-line. They want guys who can be movers on the O-line, who have good foot speed and athleticism. And so just look out for those types of traits as they do make the decision on those guys. And that's it. That's all we have for today. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. Hopefully some of this stays evergreen. We know there's going to be some changes, but we do appreciate you coming here. And I'm looking forward to next week because, as I said at the beginning of the pod, Nick, I like talking top-end roster. So we'll get to that on the next, next week's pods and things of that nature. So thanks again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.